This is episode number 88 with Abby Duick. Welcome everybody to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. This is a podcast where each week I will bring you a guest or a message to help you along your own pursuit of happiness. Everyone's pursuit of happiness looks a little different. So topics range from mental health, diet, nutrition, adventure, relationships, or talking with an expert that has an inspiring story to help all of us overcome our struggles and pursue our own happiness. So if you've been following me along my pursuit and my journey and my podcast episodes, you'll remember that in episode number 75, I had owner and founder of Run Raleigh PT, Abby Duick, on my podcast. She dropped some insane and crazy knowledge about VO2 max testing and how it's the gold standard for athletes. After hearing this, I knew I had to do the test myself. Now, I did a quick recap on the test itself and how I tested, which was pretty darn good. I'm very happy with how I initially tested. But Abby set me up with a two-month super intense training program to get my VO2 max results even higher than they were the first time. And let me just say, it was absolutely no joke. To get your VO2 max up even more in just eight weeks, you have to push yourself to limits you may have thought you could have never reached before. I know that happened during a few of my workouts. I told Abby there was a few sessions where I thought my lungs were on fire. And of course, I just so happened to be doing this training in the middle of summer in North Carolina. So there was plenty of times that I was going out running with a heat index well over 100. So I definitely had to make sure I stay hydrated for that. But those were absolutely brutal. But hey, that's what this podcast is about. It's about getting the information and knowledge out there and then putting myself through it and reporting back to you. So I am super pumped to bring my second test results to you in this episode and yes i will go ahead and and give you the hint that i actually did increase my vo2 max i pushed myself to limits i didn't know i had in me honestly and this really makes me want to sign up for another race and see how far and fast i can push it but i'll be honest abby did say that i left some on the table once again I'm obviously thrilled that I'm pushing my VO2 max in a great level, but I'm not happy to hear that. So I'm going to have to get back to Abby and figure out how I can not do that. But for anybody who's into health and fitness, wants to push themselves to another level, this is a great episode. Abby goes into all my training. We go into details of what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong. And we also talk about the different heart rate zones and how important it is to go up and down and perhaps I could have worked on that even better. All right, I have a tendency to ramble when I get really excited and I am definitely excited to bring you this episode because I put myself through hell and I'm excited for you to hear how it all turned out and hopefully I am inspiring you to get off your ass and do the same. So without further ado, here is Abby Duick. Abby. Hey, Ryan. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. What are you up to? Hey, so um, yeah, I just got back from cardio tennis. What's that? It's when you intentionally try to get your heart rate up playing tennis because tennis is not always a cardio activity. (laughs) 
So yeah, that, I guess, yeah, I guess. Yep. So I did a clinic where they, they really just kind of make you run laps around the court in between hitting the ball. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like punishment. Kind of, <laughs> ten, kind ten of. Push-ups. Yeah. Um, what about racquetball? You ever play racquetball? I have never played racquetball. That's quite a cardio workout. Racquetball is a good time. I love Absolutely. It. I know. I should try that one next. And where's the Colorado hat from? Where, were you out there or do you live there? Skiing. Yeah, we ah, like to ski. There you go. Colorado's a beautiful Yeah, when we can get there. Yes, it is. I love it Colorado. Um, all right, let's dive into this. Wow. Okay. There's a there's a there's a decent amount to chat about. Um, I'm excited with how everything went on my recent test. Um, we are following up our first conversation a few months ago about VO2 max and what it is. And I've done the training. If you could please just remind the listeners, what is VO2 max before we get into this? So VO2 max is our testing. VO2 max testing is a scientific way to learn how to exercise and increase your performance and reduce your risk of injury. So what this test does is allow us to push you to your limits and see what happens to you across across while you're trying to get to that outer limit. So we can form heart rate zones that you can then work out in um, and you can learn how to use your body when it's okay to push it, when you have to take a step back and, and look at your whole exercise program in order to improve your fitness. And so your job was to take all that information and try it. I did a pretty good, good job of doing that. I could not follow everything to a T. Um, I just couldn't with life and work and perhaps sometimes like even like weather, but I will say there was many times I drove, well, first of all, I would drove to the Duke track probably 20 to 25 times. I would say in the last two months, um, parking became pretty expensive after a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there is definitely plenty of times it was pushed the heat index was over hundred. And I'm like, just make sure I'm hydrated. I am still doing this. Like I took it pretty damn serious for no reason for everybody's listening out, out there. It's just like, was this guy going to run a marathon? I don't know. Um, but I really just maybe. wanted, I am yeah, maybe, I really just wanted to push myself to see first and foremost, what kind of athlete I am and where I can possibly go. Um, yeah. So let's kind of talk about, I don't know if you had, do you have my results in front of you? I, if not, I, I, I sure I do. do. Okay. I sure well, let, do. Let's talk about um, number one, when I first stopped in a couple of months ago, how that went and go over what we did and what the numbers mean, if that's cool. Absolutely. So um, when you first came in, obviously we didn't know what to expect. I know that you had been working out some, but you weren't, you know, a hundred percent dedicated to the running workouts at that point. So I had no idea what we were gonna see. Um, And what it turned out is actually you were in pretty good cardiovascular shape starting this entire process. So when somebody comes in who's already in pretty good cardiovascular condition, and what, what we would expect to see is probably a slightly smaller gain over the entire course of training but hopefully still some gain and less risk of injury for that person um, versus somebody who might come in 
um, who was, well, we should tell everybody that you started in the superior category. Doesn't really get much better. We should than definitely that. tell everybody yeah, that. We, we, should, we should give you some props for that. I am, I am superior. So, <laughs> he's like, don't worry, I was going to mention it. <laughs> so you started, you started in a pretty high category. So good for you. Um, and so, but some people come in and they're in, you know, a fair category, um, which, you know, that's, that's a lot of room for growth right there. And so, but when you start high, what we're really looking for is how to use that cardiovascular edge for good. You know, we still don't want you to run the risk of having injury just because you're in good shape. And that's where a lot of our high level athletes or just people who exercise a lot fall into, they get really excited about exercise that need to sweat every day. And then all of a sudden something starts to just hurt a little bit. And then, and then the worst case, it stops their activity. And then they're really upset and they don't understand because they're in such good shape. How could they possibly get hurt? And for, without really, you know, an obvious injury, all of a sudden things just start to feel tight or not move right. And a tendon is sore and it's, it's not really something you did wrong. It's just that they were over exercising every single day to the point where the muscles and tendons just couldn't handle it anymore. So by doing a test like this, we can teach you how to not let that happen so that you can keep doing the things that you love. So even though you came in in that superior category, there's still so many things for you to learn. So I hope that what you got out of that was you learned a lot going forward with your exercise routines. So my question for you is, I know those hard workouts were really hard, but did you give yourself that adequate ad active recovery? after this workout. Yeah, absolutely. That was something that I know we talked about. You made me a little nervous when you brought up, like, if you're going to, if you're going to go at this rate, you're going to end up with some kind of itis, quote unquote, yes. itis. Can you explain what you meant by that? So that is what I was saying about how everybody likes to work out every single day and not everybody, but you know, like people really excited about working out and you kind of get into this zone where you're working out in the same heart rate range almost every day. And this is where we get into trouble. So people will go out, they'll kind of push themselves, maybe not all the way to the max every day, but you know, push themselves a bit every day. And this is a problem. So this is where when you're working out in those same heart rate zones every single day, that lactic acid is building up in your muscles, causing extra tension on your tendons and not allowing those muscles to work to the best of their ability. So by the end of two or three days of that, you start to feel like, oh, my legs are really heavy. Why can't I turn my legs over? I haven't done anything real hard. Why, why can't I do this? And so those feelings mean that you need to do something like this. You need to vary your activity and you need to learn how to do it. So for lactic acid, um, what else do people do besides just, you know, kind of active recovery? Is there supplements? Is that something like an amino acid or something would help with? Or? So, um, I think probably the better approach to a more active flushing of the system, um, people will use Normatec boots, a compression with circulation to try to push the lactic acid out, um, light dynamic stretching, um, massage that's light, not deep, uh, helps with lactic acid. It's not so much a supplement. I wish that that were the case, but you really do need to be more intentional about removing lactic acid. 
I'll tell my fiance, I need more light massages. Yeah. That works out for you. If you need me to keep walking all these years, I need more light massages. That's right. Um, Yeah. Okay. So looking at the numbers here, I have two sheets. I have the one I just did. Um, Okay. Let's go over the one that I did a few months ago with you. Aerobic Mm -hmm. threshold, 143 beats per minute. Can you explain exactly what that is? So aerobic threshold is where your body is delivering oxygenated blood to your entire body. Anything below that number, which for you is 143 beats per minute on that first test is, is a healthy area to work out in. Your body is not working too hard. So once you cross that threshold, so for you, 144 beats per minute and up, your muscles don't get as much of oxygenated blood. So the higher you get, the more that blood is going more towards vital organs to keep your body alive. So then your performance will start to deteriorate after that. Hmm. Okay. Um, How did you come up with the workout plan for me? You did it decently quickly. What were perhaps a few areas that you were focused on with me to push my VO2 max up. Right. So when I write a plan, because I've done like 400 of them, it's it's so much easier for me now, but, and I can come up with ideas and workouts and you don't have to just be a runner to do this, by the way, you know, it's, um, we do run for the test, but if running is not your main workout, we can vary it with other workouts as well, as long as we're paying attention to your heart rate zones. But for you, with your goal being running, it's very specific to what you as the athlete wants to be able to do. So you, uh, you kind of gave me a goal in mind of how many miles or so, or how much time you would be able to dedicate a week. And, you know, I would also tailor if there was a race date in mind and what that distance was, then we would gradually work on a build up towards that distance and speed goals, you know, trying to make sure that you could compete to the best of your ability. So for your particular plan, there wasn't necessarily a race goal in mind, but we knew how many, how much mileage you wanted to be able to do, how much to work up to a little bit and how much time you were able to dedicate to it. And so what I wanted to do is put a build in for that. So being a, a newer to the, the racing world for you, I wanted to make sure that we had a little bit of a slower buildup. So in your particular plan, I did two week blocks. So for some people I'll do three week blocks. If they're in less cardiovascular condition, some people get a one week block. We progress them every single week into different workouts. And that's somebody that might be a little bit more seasoned with these harder workouts. And we want to push them a little faster and a little harder because we can. Um, so with your two week block, I figured that would give you enough time to get used to those workouts and turn out and enough variability in your heart rate that for the second two week block, we would be able to push you a little bit harder. And at any point during this series of exercises, when you're doing your plan, if something feels not appropriate, you're, you weren't able to get to the workouts or your body is not responding the way that we anticipated it to, that's where we communicate. So this, this does not have to be a set in stone. I can't reach it. So I just have to give up plan. So it's always important for whoever is getting is receiving my plan that if you feel like you can't progress that third week, okay, no problem. Let's adjust it. And so you're still going to see improvements, but we do it with, with respect to you. It's, it's incredibly customizable. 
Mm. Now, why I, maybe I don't remember. Why was it two months? Is that something we talked about or you thought two months was an appropriate amount of time? Where did that come yeah, from? Eight, eight weeks of a build, if done correctly, should show a change in your VO2 max scores. And so it's, it's a good amount of time for you to, to practice, you know, what we preached basically, and for you to actually see a gain. And then at the end of that two months, if everything went right and we do see some changes, then you might have some new heart rate zones to then plug into your workouts. And so that you're not, you're not staying stale. We want to constantly see progression so we can take those new zones and plug them back into your plan. And all of a sudden you can use some of those workouts, but they're fresh because your, your body's able to do more within those workouts. You can push yourself harder. Man, before we touch on the training here in a moment, um, going back to my original training with you, it says my VO two max tested at 52.8 ML kg a minute. <laughs> can you, can you dive just into, into the actual result for a moment? Yeah. So, so your, your VO two max testing. So basically you can process 52.8 millimeters per kilogram per minute. So that's, that's basically just how much oxygen your body in, in oxygenated blood can produce per minute. So those are, those numbers will be divided and compared against age and gender, um, across the board. So it goes into basically a, a big database of anybody who, who's ever had this tested before and will compare you against the population of people who have ever had this test. And then you get a result of kind of where you fall into performance with your age and gender. And like we said before, you were in a really high category. You know, you ended at in the, in the top percent of your age group and gender which is excellent, you know, and in fact, it's superior <laughs> according <laughs> to the test results. Um, and so when we retested, we want your body to be able to have more capacity for oxygenated blood. And that is more, that is more for you to draw from in your workouts and less fatigue for you. So that's, that's all, all things that are, are beneficial for you if that number goes up. So when you were retested yesterday, we found, in fact, it worked. Your number went up. <laughs> it certainly did. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there in a moment. But obviously, I loved hearing that I was, quote unquote, superior in the superior category. <laughs> that definitely boosted my ego a bit. But I noticed that you said you left some stuff on the table. You, you tell anybody who's an athlete or competitive, that's going to bother them. And it bothered me. And so uh -huh. it said... 17.8 milliliters, uh, milliliters per kilogram available. Um, mm -hmm. Can you dive into that? What that means? So your VO, your VO2 capacity. And so you take the max away from that. So the VO2 capacity that you were using at your aerobic threshold. So that's, that's, a, that's a lot right there. So when your body basically went from everything is great and easy at that, where you're all aerobic, all oxygenated blood to your entire body. When at that point where your body is performing happy, your VO2 was 35 milliliters per kilogram per minute. So you were not using everything that you had available. So why not? So that's what, that's what we want to tap into. Like, why aren't you using all of that 
extra oxygenated blood that you have access to. Mm. And so when we push you to your absolute limit, it's significantly higher what you're capable of, but your body, based on what you had been training, this test told us that you're not tapping into that very much. So that's when we start writing workouts where I know you're going to start tapping into that. And so we want that aerobic threshold number. We want your heart rate to go to a higher place so that you have your, you're able to push yourself further before you lose oxygenated blood to your muscles. So we want that 143 beats per minute you had to be higher Mm. and to give you more flexibility with your workouts. And we want your VO2 capacity at your aerobic threshold to also increase. So that tells us that we know that you've tapped into that and you're actually more successfully trained at that point. Okay. This actually makes even more sense now that we're going through this again. Um, so aerobic threshold, how did, so it's 143 beats per minute. How, how does the machine know that? So it's, it's calculating that the machine is calculating time, heart rate, effort, how your breathing rate, your heart rate. I mean, there's so many metrics that are, that are being evaluated at that point, how much carbon dioxide is coming out, how intensely you're breathing in, what your heart rate is, what that ratio is. And then it can tell us that number where you are breathing significantly heavier, your heart rate has changed and your carbon dioxide output is starting to be a little bit more. So it's, it's effort. Okay. And what I'm picturing in my head, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically like this being like a rubber band. And the more you kind of gradually pull it apart, pull it apart, pull it apart, which is almost like a training session. You're Mm -hmm. making it a little more elastic, which is kind of how I feel perhaps my VO2 max and aerobic threshold is I'm pushing my heart rate beyond what's comfortable and it kind of makes it more elastic. Is that kind of correct? That's a great analogy, Ryan. Yes. And eventually we want that elastic to kind of be bigger, yeah. you know, so that your, your starting baseline is a slightly bigger elastic that you have even more elasticity for. Okay. And in the training, we had two months of a mix of really like pushing myself and then kind of maybe pull it back with a little jog, push it. It was like interval sprints. You had mm-hmm. some lifting in there still, which I appreciated. And you also had some kind of and are just kind of more just basic running, um, perhaps even like on some weekends and stuff. What would you say if we had to pick any one of them out? And I think I already know what the answer is, but like the most important category or training or workout of all of those to push your VO2 max. Is it like the sprint intervals? It is, is it to get your heart rate racing on occasion? You got it. Yeah. It's those performance days that I refer to. That's when you are trying to put push yourself way past your aerobic threshold where your body is anaerobic, where you are huffing and puffing. You couldn't say your name if you tried. So that, that is the zone that we want to get you into for really small bursts of time, right? We don't, we don't want to hurt your body. Hmm. We want to get your body to experience those high ranges to know that it's capable, but then we also want a full recovery. So that's very important to prevent injury there's no way that you could perform those workouts that I wrote for you every day Hmm. or even two days in a row. It just wouldn't be the same. I will say after the first week or two, I was like 
legit nervous about some of these workouts <laughs> i look at them and be like what in the frick what am i maybe i shouldn't into? give you the whole plan at one time <laughs> no no it's okay it's okay i mean i like to visually like kind of set expectations and see what i'm in for um the, my first couple it was also like 100 degrees out too was just like what the frig um i you know ryan though i'm really glad you mentioned the heat though because that's a super important of those uh, like factor in those performance days, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody might come to me and say, there's no way I could not complete the workout. Mm -hmm. And so a question of mine might be, well, how, how hot was it outside? Mm -hmm. You say, you know, a hundred degrees, 110 with the heat index, hundred percent humidity. And I'm like, and to me, that's still a performance workout, even though you didn't hit what was on my note, but I bet your heart rate did. Yeah. So it's important that we point out that those performance days for you were, they were hard just because of other factors like heat. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's funny how I had multiple people comment on my story when I would post about my VO2 max training. And one of them was like, get ready to embrace the suck. And, uh, <laughs> And I did, I yeah. did honestly, after like, uh, I'd say about seven to 10 days, it was like, there was a small part of me that looked forward to kicking my own ass and kind right? of, aren't you like, proud of yourself? You should I be really so proud am. of yourself. Yeah, I really am. I mean, we can go over a couple of the workouts that I did, but in the first, in the beginning, I was like, God damn. And then I genuinely one, I, I don't love running. I I'll do it for conditioning and cardio. And, you know, sometimes I'll listen to a podcast or something like that. What a difference running with a purpose that makes uh, for me personally, all the difference in the world. When I was running, looking at my, my beats per minute, it's like, okay, I'm on track. I'm focused. I never had focus when I was running. So that was really nice. And yeah, after about seven to 10 days, what a freaking workout. It was like, I knew I was going to kick my own ass, but it is super rewarding going to a track, killing yourself for like 40, 45 minutes. You're like, yeah. And then after a couple of weeks, it got easier. It was like, I feel my stamina is a hell of a lot better. And once you start seeing the results, it's obviously easier to keep going and going. Um, I remember one of the first workouts was, I think you had me running a mile at a marathon pace. And then you had me doing four 200 sprints, I think with a mile in between or something like that. And then another four 200 sprints. And I was like, I, I, I came back and told Chris, I was like, I feel like I'm at altitude after right. like my fifth yes. or sixth. Yeah. yeah. My lungs are burning. I was like, what the hell? But that got better. That really genuinely yeah. got better over time. And um, that's because you got anaerobic. That is because your lungs were burning because you were pushing the capacity and so, and they're not able to get oxygenated blood out fast enough. And you felt that. You oh, felt so that. that was legit. Okay, that wasn't just yeah. me. Okay. So that was actually yeah, supposed no, to you, happen. You did what you were supposed to do. Wow. Okay. Cause that the first few times I was running those sprints, I was like, man, I feel like I'm in Colorado in the mountains running or yeah. something. Yeah. Good job. Wow. Okay. The thing I would love at some point, if you ever had any free time, come to the track with me and watch me run sprints. Cause I still don't feel like my mechanics are on point. I feel like I'm leaving something on the table as far as mechanics go. And I, as, as high, I got my heart rates in the one nineties and stuff around those turns and running those sprints and stuff like that. I just still feel like I'm not very fast. I feel like I can be quick at moments, but it's like, I'm not fast. I'm curious to know 
how much I'm leaving on the table as far as speed goes, perhaps even get me to the sure. next level, but we could talk about it another time, but I, I'm yeah, inviting you at some point to come watch me. Kristen's Kristen's a runner too. I know you know that. And uh, she was like, I'm still a little stiff in the upper body. My shoulders are a little stiff. I'm, I'm trying to do things. I'm trying to bring my hands closer to my hip. So I'm sure I'm better, but I'm, I know there's way more to go. So as far as my form and efficiency, that probably needs absolutely sometimes just a cue or two and, and sometimes some footwear can help too. Yeah. To maximize I, your speed on a track. Yeah. So it's funny that you said that. So I wore the Brooks shoes that with you the first time that I got for my race, really happy with them. I went to, um, fleet feet and got mm-hmm. all fitted and everything happy with the Brooks. And then I saw there was a pair of Nikes that I was eyeing. I've always been a kind of a Nike guy that I was eyeing. I saw they're on sale, the Pegasus seven, I think it was. So I bought them. I was like, you know, at the very least, if these are as good as my Brooks, I'll wear them on like days just to go jog around the neighborhood or something like that. They, I felt faster um, on the track with those shoes. I felt like they gripped it. I felt like I just had better control with those shoes on. And so then I started wearing the Pegasus around the track every day. I was like, I feel like I'll wear my Brooks for running around the neighborhood, distance running and stuff. Uh, the Pegasus was really good for me as far as running sprints and, and intervals and stuff. So it's funny you did say that. So yeah, I mean, we could go down a whole nother hour podcast rabbit hole on mm-hmm. shoes and varying your shoes, not wearing the shoes for the same workouts, varying your heel heights. I mean, there's so there's so much into it to maximize your potential with running. Okay. Yeah. And so people listening to this probably get an idea of the stuff that I was going through uh, these last few months. Um, Would love to kind of wrap it up here shortly and talk about what we just did the other day and my updated testing after two months of pretty intense training. You pushed yourself. And so did you, when you pushed yourself, did you give yourself the adequate active recovery? Then did you stick to that? Um, not every time. Um, I know that, um, there was multiple times where you had me jog, you had me sprint 200 and then jog for 200, the sprint 200. So my heart rate didn't go all the way down. It definitely recovered quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Cause it took me, I took my sweet ass time jogging. That's for sure. Um, so yeah. So should I have let it come back down to like to the seventies and start it again? Like not necessarily to the seventies, but into your zone one. So it has to get back into the lowest zone that you had. So for you, it would have had to drop below 143. Okay. Yes, I did. Okay. Every time that. Okay. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Excellent. And on the days that you didn't have those performance days, did you let yourself stay in that low heart rate zone? Yes. Okay. That's really important. That's really important. So we're going to go over your results and I'm going to tell you things you want to hear and things that you don't want to hear. So (laughs) (laughs) the first thing that you want to hear is you, you did increase your VO2 max. And so you did, you did this work, you pushed yourself and you made your elastic bigger. So you have a bigger pot of oxygenated blood to draw from now. So well done. So you, you increased and like when you're in the superior categories, those increases are, are less because you're already so high, but you went from 52.8 to 54.4, which is actually a pretty big increase when you're already that high. So well done. You did a really good job. Thank you. And your VO2 at your aerobic threshold 
So the amount that you're using when you're in your comfortable zone also got bigger. So that, that tank that you rely on went from 35 to 37.2. So you were eight, you are, have more to draw from for your, for your easier workouts as well. So you did a really nice job increasing that. But you notice there's still a difference between your VO2 and your VO2 max, right? So you know yeah. there's still some potential here, which is great. Um, but one thing that I did notice is your heart rate zones did not change a ton. Hmm. So from our first test to eight weeks later in your second test, your even though your VO2 max increased, your capability increased, but your heart rate zones that you're allowed to work out in stayed relatively the same. And so what that tells me is there was not enough variability in your workout days. So the days that you got really, really high, mm -hmm. it did not get low enough on your next day mm -hmm. consistently. And so, and, and there's probably a lot of reasons. I mean, we chose to write this test for you in one of the hottest stretches of summer I've ever seen in North Carolina. So that was probably not super helpful. Yeah. Thanks. For um, that. So that was something <laughs> that was something to, to definitely be mindful of. Um, but it, in order for you to have these heart rate zones increase a little bit more, my advice to you is that on those active recovery days that you have that solid 30 minutes continuous in your lowest heart rate zone. And that is very important. Okay. So I really need to see next time you do this, a little bit more variability day to day, and that will help you increase all of your heart rate zones for your training. Okay. So overall successful, very successful. But if I were to send you back with a plan, I would not change your heart rate zones for your workouts. So you would stay a little bit longer at those heart rate zones. Okay. So a little more focus on my active recovery and making sure it's correct. Low. Okay. Okay. And that's the hardest part for active people. <laughs> that is absolutely the hardest part is people. They don't want to take the day. They don't want to take the day to recover. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have my recovery days, but my recovery days are definitely, it's not sitting on the couch and laying around. They're still doing and, stuff. And it shouldn't be, it yeah. shouldn't be, but you do need a, you know, 30, 40 minute block of continuous low heart rate activity. And when it's 110 degrees outside walking the dog, you know, it might actually be a little harder than your mm. zone one. Mm. That's a really good point. Um, I guess my final question would be, so we don't have anything actually on like on the books. We're not like another two month block or anything like that. Um, so like, let's just say, you know, I want to continue my workouts. I want to continue my lifting as well, working on my strength, but I want to, I want to make sure my VO2 max stays where it is or perhaps even elevates it. Is that possible to mix all that stuff in between? And like, so what, what should I be looking to do? Go to the track once a week? twice a week yes. still to keep doing it is, that? It is absolutely, you can continue this. And so it's, it's all about the variability, Ryan. It's making sure that you have days where you're pushing yourself to those, what feels like altitude levels mm -hmm. and that you have days where you're really being easy on yourself. And if you maintain that variability and that you have now learned to do, 
then you are going to continue to perform higher and you're going to have a significantly less risk of injury. Do you have any tips as far as like, let's say we'll take it every day of the week, right? So we'll do Monday. If I lifted on Monday and ran on Tuesday, is that okay? Or would you flip that around? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. Now, if you're doing like Olympic powerlifting, we might have to talk about that, but yeah, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) but if it's, if your heart rate's not getting up real high, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. And then perhaps on Wednesday, I do nothing, but take my dogs for a walk in the evening or something like that. And then crank it back up with more lifting. You can also, you know, go lightly swim or, you know, ride a bike, you know, there's lots of options. Do yoga. Um, so lots, lots of options that may not get your heart rate up as high. Okay. I think what I might want to do actually is get probably something scheduled for later in the fall or winter or something like that to make sure, even though I'm not on a plan, I'm still doing well, which I should be because I, I started with superior. So I should be, but I want to make sure well. mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm not losing everything that I've already pushed towards. So that's, that's my goal now for the next few months is to be consistent. Right. And it's important that you can take ownership of your training, do the things that you want to do and still feel like you're in great shape. Right. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope this has been fun chat with me and, and me asking all these questions. I know I'm sending multiple people your way now. People, I love it. Thank you so much. You know, we want to keep people healthy. So thanks for being the guinea pig. It's been a a really fun time. And I I cannot tell you how proud I am that you stuck to it. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm serious. When I, when I, when I dedicate my time, when I, when I declare I'm going to do something, I do it. I love uh, it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no sense of wasting my time in a hundred degrees in the track and, you know, not pushing myself to to the full extent. And yeah, I freaking, I did it. There was definitely days of the trial. I was there at noon. Heat index is one ten. I was by myself. I was just drinking a lot of water, a lot of electrolytes. So I was like, forget it. Let's do it. I signed up. You're hardcore, Ryan. (laughs) That's that's how I roll. Sometimes sometimes I need people to kind of pull me back a little bit, but uh, Abby has been awesome. This is me saying pull back a little bit. (laughs) Okay. I'll do that. I'm I'm getting that wedding is coming up in two weeks. So that's a, that's a week of fun. It's a week of adventure. We'll still go hiking and stuff like that. So. And you'll be in the best shape of your life. What more could you ask for? Like, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. I was like, you know, this is not that I was ever nervous about that, but it's like, what better way to go into a wedding with knowing you're going to performing at athletic levels and stuff. So I it. feel good. I look good. I'm healthy. Everything's good. Super excited. And uh, there's no question I'll be asking you to come back kind at some point to keep diving into all the science. I love it. I'm a nerd. I would love to. It's great. So Abby, it's been a pleasure. One way or another, we'll stay in contact. I'm sure I'll see you soon. And, Sounds uh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Enjoy the rest of your summer. And uh, we'll talk you, later. Thank you, Ryan. And thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Congrats thanks, on Abby. the wedding. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Bye. We'll talk soon. Special thank you once again to Abby Duick for joining me for the second time. She's back anytime. The knowledge is awesome. I love learning stuff like this. And I'll go ahead and say, I'm honestly pretty proud of myself. There was definitely some brutal, brutal workout, especially the first week. I was like, what did I get myself into? But yeah, I kept showing up. 
and the workouts got a little easier because I got my cardio in shape, my lungs were feeling better, but it was brutal. But I don't know, there's something that can be said for just being in the greatest shape of your life. And I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm in great shape and I owe Abby a lot to that. So Abby, thank you again so much. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other, please share it with a friend. Please share it with a family member. Please also subscribe, leave a review and a rating. It's greatly appreciated. So thank you very much. And I will catch you all on the next episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.